0: Welcome back, wit listeners. I'm your 2023 host, Becky Schneider, and today we are so excited to welcome Deborah Golden to the podcast. Deb is the US Cyber and Strategic Risk Leader at Deloitte. Her journey in technology started at a young age when she began tinkering with her dad's computer. And from there, she garnered an insatiable appetite for discovering the how and why behind the way things work in a world increasingly fueled by all things digital. Fast forward to today, Deb now leads a team of more than 8,000 professionals with a purpose-driven leadership style, focusing on creating opportunities for other women and people from diverse backgrounds in STEM and cyber fields. Since joining Deloitte more than 25 years ago, Deb has put her purpose into practice by spearheading several notable partnerships focused on unlocking career opportunities in STEM, including programming with Code with Clossy and the Deloitte Cyber Career Accelerator with the Flatiron School. Deb is also proud to be training her fourth full-time service puppy through Deloitte's Corporate Puppy with a Purpose program held in conjunction with the Guide Dog Foundation and America's Vet Dogs. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and I can't
1: wait to figure out and continue to have a conversation with you.
0: Awesome. Yeah, let's let's just jump right into it then. So tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, and your current work and position at
1: Deloitte. So you covered a lot in the intro, so thank you. I'm going to have you do my intros a lot more because that was amazing. So thank you very much for that. Um, And as you mentioned, I am the U.S. cyber strategic risk leader, as well as our cyber strategic growth offering leader here at Deloitte. I've been at Deloitte a little bit over 27 years. I did work for another contracting consulting organization for two years straight out of school. And it's interesting because I had this question last week. Somebody had asked me, well, did you go to school for computers or where did you, did you think you'd be here? And candidly, I did not think I would be where I am today, but I've always had the drive to want to learn and to want to learn so much about basically what might have been complex or really challenging problems. And so yeah. I'm just happy that my career has enabled me to, to be in many different places along the journey, even though I've been at Delight for quite some time, being able to have the ability to traverse in different types of opportunities really, I think has enabled me to
0: excel and ultimately get to this position here at Deloitte. Perfect. Awesome. So you've been at Deloitte, obviously you're talking about being at Deloitte for for a long time. One of the cool things that we've been talking with guests about recently is that we're starting to see more folks spending long periods of time at one position. How have you managed to keep things diverse and keep learning new things?
1: I think it really is the the opportunity to be able to do different things. And, And candidly, my career is truly based on my insatiable desire to learn. For me, the fact that I've been able to have so many different opportunities here at Deloitte that have allowed me to kind of pick at that sense of curiosity. And so it's not the same thing. My day job is not the same every day doesn't start the same, doesn't end the same way. It hasn't been the same position or opportunities in those 27 years. And so for me, particularly, that sense of curiosity, that sense of wanting to be able to to solve for challenging and what may seem like insolvable problems is really my desire to continue to grow. And I think because I've had that opportunity, it's allowed me to stay not only at Deloitte, but to stay at Deloitte for such a long time. And look, I mean, I came from a family where my father stayed at his job. For 35 years, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know any different, but I certainly think if I didn't have those opportunities, and some of which, by the way, I, I created on my own, right? And so as you think about how you continue to find that motivation in what you do on a day-to-day, some of it, yes, is the opportunities present themselves, but I also think looking at ways to create the opportunities for yourself is also really important.
0: Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that? These these opportunities that presented themselves maybe in different ways, how you either noticed them and capitalized on them or how you were able to create some of these specific examples of opportunities yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. And, and I think some of this has probably evolved over my career as well. Like, I don't know that I was as purposeful as perhaps I am today, which sure. again is something as I even just think about my career. I mean, a lot of what people tend to do is work hard and all of your hard work will pay off, which is probably true, but whether or not it's on the time continuum that you may expect, or you might want something different in your career. And so for me, really when I started off at my career, it was learn as much as possible. So yeah. even, even if it was things that I didn't think I had an interest in, you know, the funny thing is, is when I started Deloitte a long time ago, everyone had to do audit rotation and I didn't know if that was something I would enjoy. I have an undergraduate in both finance and management. I have a master's degree in information technology. I didn't think I wanted to be an auditor, but you know, that was part of the job. Go figure this out and go do this capability. And so for six months, I spent um auditing apartment complexes, literally going around the US accounting <laughs> apartments for vacancy yeah. that ultimately roll up into the general ledger. And I was like, wow you know, love the travel, love meeting people, love what I'm doing, but not sure how this is applicable to my career. And flash forward to the very next project, which happened to be a cyber at the time security opportunity in a financial system, and didn't want to leverage candidly, what was I doing counting apartments, the fact of understanding the general ledger, understanding financials, understanding how accounts payable and accounts receivable worked, played into my ability to have my tech cyber role on that ERP transformation job. And so I think part of it is you might not even know the opportunity in front of you. And so I didn't know counting apartments would be the impetus to learning financial systems. That would be the impetus to me doing tech transformation. That would be the impetus to me creating and evolving some of our cyber capabilities. But it was, again, back to that desire to learn and then figuring out what I can do with that. And what's interesting is, As I've grown through my career, thinking about how you could be more purposeful about the things that you want to create. I think as I, as I look back on my career, a couple of times during my career, I've kind of put forward a piece of paper, literally a piece of paper where I look at it and I said, where do I want to be two jumps from now? And I always think about it in two jumps because I feel like we always think about something in the moment. Like, and it's not so much about the role or the title, but like, what do I want to be doing that's satisfying to me yeah. in two moves? Because I also fundamentally believe when you're really good at something, a lot of people ask for your time and attention. And it's really difficult if you don't know where you're headed. Do I take this opportunity? Do I not take this opportunity? Right. How can I look at this opportunity maybe differently than I'm looking at it? And or maybe more importantly, how is this opportunity and the people going to help me get to that thing I want to do in two jumps? And so that candidly keeps me grounded is when I can look at it and say, okay, these are the things, even if they sound incredibly bold, like I want to go be the president next, (laughs) like whatever it may be. um, If I think about like, that's really what I want to be in and be honest with myself about the thing that I want to do, then helping to navigate my career has been a little bit easier. And it doesn't mean that it's always come to me so cleanly. I mean, I have mentors and sponsors that I go to and I ask for advice and I throw ideas against them as well. But I think having that sense of at least the journey, and by the way, that journey might not exist. I may say in two hops, I want to be something that doesn't exist today. So how am I going to help shape that or grow that or build that? And so for me personally, that's been a, a big help, not only in kind of helping to define opportunity, but to create opportunity and also even tie back to your first question on how have I stayed here so long has really been because I'm constantly candidly looking at like, what do I want to do next? Or how can I evolve? Or what's going to keep me excited? right? And, and that journey, I've sort of self-defined, but I've self-defined with the support of others that are equally interested and invested in me.
0: Yeah, I think that's such great advice because I think a lot of us get really caught up in the day-to-day of whatever current challenges we're facing. And it's hard to kind of carve out that time to look forward. But I love that concept because you're right. How are you going to be able to dictate what you should and shouldn't spend your time on right now if it's not going to benefit the future you?
1: Precisely. And sometimes I think you can't even see and we're both our best savior and our worst enemy, right? Because I think particularly as females, we constantly want to improve. We constantly want to be the best version of ourselves that we want to be. We constantly want to show up the way that we expect of ourselves. And I think that's a huge value proposition, but I also think sometimes it causes us to get distracted because- being the best version of ourselves doesn't mean saying yes to everything that comes your direction. Because again, if you are the best that you can be, if you are looking at providing help to others, if you are looking at how to grow and how to evolve, there's gonna be lots of opportunities that come your way and or that you create. And so I think some of it is just even being able to weed through the noise so that you could find the yeah. most opt- optimal approach that you could possibly take.
0: Yeah, I I am curious to hear because obviously you are at the helm of a huge group within a huge company and and it took a lot of work to get there and you're you're obviously very well established in your career, but do you have any advice for maybe younger women who are starting to get to the point where they are being asked and they are starting to figure out what their talents are and their time, more demands are being put on their time and they're realizing they have to say no, but they're scared to do it for the first time.
1: And it's still a challenge. I don't know that that ever (laughs) goes away. I I think it's just different requests on your time, perhaps that that evolve over your career, over your journey. I do think part of it is understanding and being able to reflect. I have a huge view of self-reflection being kind of like a superpower. And I think it's really important to understand how do you attribute your own personal growth? So again, what is important to you? And I think as I think about my younger self, even being comfortable and understanding your voice is really important. Um, And I feel like it can be richly rewarding, but at the same time, having to really truly understand it. And, you know, I think, and I I firmly believe that someone had more belief in me before I had belief in myself. And I think part of it is recognizing and valuing not only through self-reflection, but your personal growth. And for me, a good chunk of that is my voice. I am very passionate about what I do. I'm very much a servant leader and how I've evolved my own capacity. My mother died at a fairly young age, and a lot of responsibilities were put up upon me. And because of that, and because of what I have moved through, I've kind of discovered my own, if you will, grit factor and the ability to overcome adversity. And because of that, I feel like there is an opportunity to leverage that perseverance, that passion. I mean, that's what ultimately fuels my performance. And if I were thinking about, you know, telling this to my younger self or others earlier on in their career, I would have loved to have had that knowledge and awareness at the time because I was just like pushing rocks up a hill or maybe maybe (laughs) I felt like I was doing this on my own or maybe I felt like I was the first in a room of many. And so as you think about those things that are all challenges, How do you create that support system around you that when that voice does have confidence in you, how do you continue to accelerate that? And and again, I would just have given myself that guidance earlier of taking the time to truly understand my voice and then looking at the challenges that I've overcome to be able to learn those lessons to really better and propel me forward.
0: Yeah, I heard this great quote once that was like, once someone says that, that you have potential, believe them. Don't second guess it, don't try to talk yourself out of it, especially you were saying especially as women, right? We have a tendency to kind of belittle ourselves and give in to challenges, you know, especially in the workplace it's dominated by men, but believe somebody when they when they say that you have potential. I want to go back to something that you said right in the middle of that that I that I absolutely loved. You you mentioned grit factors. Mm-hmm. And I know that this is something that we had talked about previously, but I, I was hoping that you could walk us through your definition of, of <laughs> grit factors and how that's helped you, what that means to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think for me, my grit factor is my innate ability to adapt to bringing order to situational chaos. And I do t- tie that back to my mother dying at a very early age. And so for me, my older sister was off to college My dad was away for work. And so, you know, my responsibility was to to be there for my mom, which I'm incredibly grateful for having that opportunity. But as a child going through that, it's a lot of pressure to be able to, to not only do that. And she was so adamant that I get my education and I continue to be a kid and that I continue to move forward. But as I reflect on that situation, you know, part of what you need to do as as a child learning to cope with death and mourning and looking at that is, is how I've reflected on having a candidly a new definition of loss and mourning. And I think because of many years of growth and reflection, I've been able to not only make meaning of that loss, but it's enabled me to build on my own resilience and it's enabled me to have my continued passion to be of service to others. And it's interesting because as I often reflect on my mother's absence, which I continue to do, and appreciate even the faintest of her memories, I'm grateful for everything that she taught me because at the end of the day, she's what made me resilient. And if you yeah. think about the world of cyber, if you think about the world of digital transformation, that is chaos. I mean, the only yeah. the only normalcy of that is change. It changes on an absolutely regular basis. And the fact that I do, again, have this ability to not only bring order to situational chaos, I can look at how to innovate along the way. So excelling through that transformation, which in and of itself, again, is chaotic. And I mean I didn't you know wake up the day that my mother was sick and say oh my gosh like this is a great grit factor that I have I mean I obviously went through grief and suffering and loss yeah. but because of the self-awareness. And candidly, what happened was one time I was running through the airport with a colleague, like literally we were late for a a flight. The flight was delayed. I mean, all kinds of, you know, what with travel and I'm sitting there running, running, running. And this gentleman stops me and he happened to have been one of my mentors. He stopped me and he said to me, he I have seen you in the most chaotic situations. You sit and talk about things from a political perspective. You talk about breaches. You talk about with the most senior CEOs. You're talking with executives. We're running through airports. And you seem to be super calm in chaotic situation. And it took him saying that to me to be like, hold on a minute. There's something there. Let's think about that for a minute. And when I really started to put a lot of time and energy into that comment. I actually really started to lean into that grit. I started to lean into, well, hold on a minute. What if I actually put myself in these types of situations? Very complicated, very chaotic, very transformative situations. It truly just became the doorway to even more evolution for me. And I call it bounce forward. Like It enables me to think about my own fortitude with dealing with challenges and and ambiguity and looking at how do I come back even stronger? And so again, through lots of self-reflection and thinking about that, and as we face adversity, both in our professional and personal life, I truly think that I've uncovered opportunities to look at these chaotic situations, maybe in a slightly different way to come up with net new solutions, net new approaches to be able to not only solve for those challenging issues,
0: yeah. But candidly
1: to create new paths where an approach didn't always seem viable.
0: Yeah. Everybody deals with adversity and it's being able to take the lessons that you've learned from that and push forward and, and have, it sounds like you had a very conscious moment where you were like, I, I didn't even realize that I was capable of all of these things. But now that I recognize that I am, I gonna you said it yourself, I'm going to lean right into it and I'm going to push forward with anything that comes next. And, and I think that's great. So you were talking about taking all of these experiences and challenges that you face throughout your life. And it does seem like, you know, the outcome was really applicable to a career in cyber, because you're right, it is very chaotic. It's the new frontier, so to speak, and everyone's trying to get a grasp on it. Can you talk about some of the challenges you guys are facing with cyber today, and where you're you think you're heading in the next like five to 10 years?
1: I mean, I think the challenge for everyone is just the pace of change and how quickly everyone can adapt to that pace. And so whether that's size and scale of the organization, whether that's size and scale and complexity of the challenges, the adversaries are only getting not necessarily smarter, but bigger, better, faster. And as we think about, you know, the cybersecurity risks facing us today, some of those challenges are still going to be there tomorrow or in five years from now. They're just going to get... Faster. So again, it's the pace. So because of artificial intelligence, because of quantum, yes, there's going to be new threat vectors. Yes, it's going to be continue evolution. Yes, it's going to be a constant on. I always joke that adversaries can try a 1000 times to be right once we have to be right a 1000 times. And so yeah. when you think about the dynamic, I think the question that we need to be asking is, again, how do we keep pace, not only with the movement in market and the adversarial approach to the cyber threat landscape, but also how can we use this technology to get ahead? So the same way that the adversaries are using the technology to get ahead from their vantage point, how do we look at the same thing? And and I think where we're going to see additional challenges is not just in pace, but looking at these threats from a responsible use perspective, I think given the vastness across the digital landscape, Things like ethical tech and looking at privacy and how we actually have to look at use and content is going to be incredibly important when we think about the fact that we obviously don't want to compromise data. We don't want to compromise mission. And we want to make sure that us as consumers, so myself as well as you, others, we want to make sure we're creating situations where not only is data protected, but perhaps, I mean, from my vantage point, using that data to be able to come up with, again, unique ways to solve for things, whether that's medical health, whether that's consumer relationships, et cetera. There's so many ways that data can help us solve really challenging problems. I think we've got to ask ourselves again, how do we protect it so that it's being, candidly as simply put, being used for good?
0: Yeah. You mentioned before how important promoting young women or just Mm -hmm. women in general um, in cyber and in STEM and tech fields maybe what advice would you give to folks at smaller companies or less well-known companies that want to start creating these learning pathways? What are some things that have been successful? We
1: have such a endless and boundaryless business and workspace yeah. that encouraging people to stay ahead of these challenges is, is an opportunity. Again, it might not exist today. There, there are plenty of places where there's still a very traditional approach to training. And and candidly, we're asked those questions a lot. How do we think about even just starting? Some people are like, I I don't even know how to start start with something small, come up with a new training approach, add in a new upskilling or reskilling. There's plenty of places that also offer like certifications or looking at just even understanding what your current retention is to figure out, you know, where do we have challenges? How do we find focus? I think this topic can become very overwhelming very quickly because it is such a challenge that everyone is trying to change, let alone throw in things like artificial intelligence and machine learning and metaverse. And now we've got a whole different set of demands that we're trying to put on how we influence. If you simply look at the challenge today for any organization, big or small, these challenges have evolved in a way that, again, the technology landscape is so complicated and so disruptive that having even one net new training skill or one net new capacity is not only gonna keep your resources and your professionals educated, but also probably interested and excited. I think it's gonna also open up you know, an impact and you'll see an impact with just one small move. So again, just yeah. creating a class, creating an ecosystem, creating a relationship with somebody else, creating an opportunity to do on the job training. Creating an understanding of what is your diversity population and holding yourself and others accountable to making a change.
0: You use the word ecosystem a lot, which I really mm-hmm. like, and part of that ecosystem, you're right, is building up new skills, having that talent pathway, bringing in people who can learn quickly and and adapt. But I think part of that is also fostering those people um, mm-hmm. that you've already brought in and making sure that they're continually growing and learning. and I think, You've touched on mentorship and how important your mentors were to you. Can you talk a little bit about how you have brought that concept of mentorship into this ecosystem and how important it is?
1: Sure. I mean, in both internally and externally, I mean, and what I what I just mentioned around understanding where your challenges are is exactly what yeah. we've done. So with large at Deloitte, we have the DEI transparency report where we have taken a very active and public view of what is our diversity? How are we looking at diversity? How are we enabling that, et cetera? I specifically have also done that within our U.S. cyber and strategic risk business. So understanding, again, where are we looking at it from a diverse perspective? How are we looking at it from that perspective? And then where can we look to you know, make this a little bit stronger? And I am super proud of a lot of things that we've already had underway in order to help with that talent ecosystem. And by the way, that's also what's enabling mentorship and growth. And so two specifically, one is around a train to hire program that we call the Cyber Career Accelerator. Mm -hmm. So looking for individuals that, again, looking at the skills they bring that are non-tech, non-cyber, And how do we create those pathways and access, but also to your question, how do we create the mentorship? Because it's not just about getting you the skills and getting you into the organization. It's now how do we create that ongoing mentorship to provide that feedback and that engagement and that I'm here for your success relationship. And so I'm, I'm very proud to say that we've got a handful of pilots that we've done and we've executed quite extensively across the business in some very technical fields like cloud cybersecurity, detect and respond as we think about threat intelligence. And we've created that capability. And what I'll tell you is the individuals that are in those programs have also now become mentors to other individuals in our next program. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of about creating the opportunity and then creating the pathway for them to then pay it forward, which by the way, for all of us has really been very, very rewarding as we think about giving back to one another. And there's another program that, again, I'm, I'm very proud of because we started it many years ago, is looking at things around autism at work and yeah. how we want to leverage neurodiversity in skills where we know that that will be exemplified. And then also, again, building a mentorship and support program around that. So that, again, it's not just about how do we get someone in the door? How do we cultivate that? How do we build that? How do we create a culture? That's going to enable that growth rather than competing in scarcity. It's it's really looking to create that. And I use the word curating and cultivating that experience so that we have individuals not only build and stay and grow, but want to pay it forward and do similar things for others that, that was allowed for them in that opportunity. I struggled for a long time with how can I give back? How can I do something different? I come from a military background. I've had relatives who have served, actually received the Purple Heart and the Star wow. of Valor. And I literally was like, I've got to figure out a way to, to give back. And I, and I researched and I ended up finding the Guide Dog Foundation in America's Vet Dogs and really was like, what better way? And I love puppies. So what better way yeah. than to spend my time with dogs while I'm on the road? Um, but more importantly, as I have learned over time and getting to spend time, these, these dogs will go to a, a veteran or first responder free of charge for the rest of their lives. And as I spend time with that community and understand even more so the challenges that they face every day, the fact that I can do something to help their lives in a way that they've yeah. been able to protect our freedom is something I will cherish. And I always say this, I learn more from these dogs and the situations that I'm in than than I could ever teach them. And so it really has been such a huge impact on my life. It's been a huge impact on being able to give back. And it's just been a way that for me has enabled me to find that like uniquely interesting yet strange ability to combine my personal and professional passion to really yeah. drive my purpose.
0: Yeah, Deb, this was such a great conversation. Thank you for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to join us today. Um, I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation because because I sure did, and so we really appreciate having you.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm super excited by the opportunity, and again, I I just. Thanks to you for having these types of conversations and enabling us to not only come together as a community, but to, to share each other's light with others. So again, I appreciate the time you've given me
0: today. So it was a very enlightening conversation. So thank you for that as well. Absolutely. It was our pleasure to have you and and hear your thoughts on all of this. So you can find Deb at Deloitte's website, dot ecom I am your 2023 host, Becky Schneider. And until next time, keep inspiring girls and women to rise from the classroom to the boardroom.